This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. stuff that i'm not actually interested in just through osmosis right just like all my friends read comics so i know a whole bunch about comics yeah i stopped reading i read comics as a kid just in random boxes Mm -hmm. that my dad would bring home from flea markets and he would buy like here's 50 comics i bought from flea markets who knows what's in there here you go children and watchmen was in there and i was like i'm nine i'm gonna read watchmen uh oh oh (laughs) were you ready for it so no, no, it was awful. I mean, it was just, it was weird. I was like, why? <laughs> Anyways, welcome back to the Save or Die podcast. I'm Crispy. And I'm Carl. And uh, we're bringing it back here again with some uh, classic D&D action. Uh, speaking of classic that's, D&D action, that's- <laughs> good D&D video content is finally becoming a thing. And I think that's really good. Yes. And I think it's because as we progress further into, like, the realm of new media replacing traditional media it's becoming you have to get really competitive with it so people are upping their game and actually putting in some effort and i think some of this has to do with just the ease of gathering information about a subject mm-hmm. you know there there was a time when uh learning to play D was 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 a was a only spread through contact with other D players i mean it, it was it was a much harder to get into it on your own yes um, i have that experience actually i started playing in 2002 and my first character i just i didn't understand the rules i was adding like my strength score to attack rolls and like like having people nice. it was awful <laughs> it was not i never mess good <laughs> basically oh i do how much damage i i kill it i kill it so hard um yeah especially if you're dealing with something with classic or ad and d um, even third edition, which are pretty esoteric rule systems sometimes. Um, it's hard to find out like, oh, how is this supposed to actually happen? Uh, like I ran a BX game for a start of a new campaign last night and like explaining like, oh no, armor class lower is better. And like, mm-hmm. you can write down your two hit numbers in the, the matrix underneath, or you can just use like a FACO system. If they didn't have me there, they would have not understood it. And maybe it would have driven them away because like, oh, this rule is stupid. Uh. And just having the perspective of being like, hey guys, like this game came out before, you know, there were really role-playing games as we know them. <laughs> so a lot How of times- I'm expecting that this game came out before there were ascending numbers. Yeah. That's all this game is. This <laughs> Nobody is counted three. up. Uh, <laughs> yes. Everyone counted down before This was BC. So we were still. So these mechanics work off of um, like traditional game design, where you roll like a monopoly die for it, and that kind of helped ease them into it. And ascending armor classes versus descending armor class, like I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like if they 
don't like descending armor class, I can just go back and reverse engineer the math. But we actually sure. did not fight a single thing in my session <laughs> last night. We rolled dice maybe f- maybe four or five times. There was a reaction roll for uh, the cleric to convince some people to become his followers of his religion. Somebody had to make a strength check, like a strength contest under their ability score roll. Right. And... I feel like there was maybe one more roll, but that was it. Like, so a handful of dice. And we played for from 7 p.m. until about 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, we played uh, Basic Expert today, uh, my wife and I, game with some friends of ours. Um, and it's the game where we have Rich the Lich giving them quests. Rich uh, Richard, he's an old lich. And uh, uh, the quest now was that his his great, uh, great, 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 great grandson, Rich the Lich, has all of his uh, descendants living with him in his castle. So he has a castle full of generations down of his kindred because he's thousands of years old. Are well, they his grandson all liches uh, as well? uh, ran away to try to fight goblins on his own. Mm. His grandson being, of course. His grandson being, of course. Little Richard. And uh, that was, <laughs> it was, it was a fun time. I was not expecting you to say Little Richard. I should have been. I, oh, God, it just, (laughs) I let my guard down and you hurt me real bad, Carl. (laughs) Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as a dollar fifty a month. That's right, a dollar fifty a month goes a long way. Thank you. If AD and D is number one, have we got a podcast for you? On the Roll for Initiative podcast, DMs Vince, Nick, and Matt. Hello, everybody. And <laughs> DM Matt. Hello, everyone. Check out all things related to the game that Gary built. This is basically the module trying to get you to fight things when you shouldn't. Yeah, it's they basically taunt you. They're being playful. Yeah. They're being playful. Yeah. They feature old and new modules, supplements, musings on rules, advice on DMing a game, and occasionally feature new writers and classic creators of all things 1E. And think of it this yeah. way. Number appearing, 2 to 12. 12 demigods hanging out together? Yes, but the green man has nothing underneath him as a classification. Zero. No. Nothing. No. Just he's God of yeah. growth and abundance. We don't need to put down any other classification at all. We'll just give it to the mud man. That's the Roll for Initiative podcast. You can find it on iTunes or at RFIpodcast.com. So you like AD&D 2nd Edition but no podcast to listen to? Guess what? We got the cure right here. I got a fever. And the only prescription... The Thaco's Hammer Podcast. You want me to put the hammer down? Join DM's Glenn, Brian, Corey, and full-on gamer as they discuss, debate, and review the world of second edition AD. Yes. Go here. Give me a gin. Yeah, gin. that's that's DM Corey ordering drinks. Sorry. Sorry. Girlfriend's getting gin. Rules, modules, supplements, clones. Everything 2E is fair game. Someone lied to you, and there's an opposed role, and, oh, they won, so you believe the lie. I know, but I don't, because I, the player, know that they lied to me. But mm-hmm. you, the character, have to act like you take the lie. So listen into a podcast where number two is number one. The Thaco's Hammer Podcast, the best damn second edition ADD podcast ever. You'll find it on iTunes or at Thaco's Hammer.info. 
So jumping back in time here and getting a little bit back on topic, uh, talking about how the rules of the game are fairly esoteric, and if you don't have someone um, there with you to teach you how to play, um, that kind of does segue pretty well into our topic for this episode, which is the 91 Black Box, the all-new, easy-to-master Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, we got an email from uh, DM Kuban, uh, and he says, Greetings. He says, Thanks for keeping this show alive. Been enjoying the new episodes and perspectives. Thank you very much, DM Kuban. He said, Can you guys look at reviewing the 1991 Black Box D&D? As that was how some of us younger DMs started, and it was an interesting introduction to Basic. Since the show has reviewed all editions, publications of Basic, sans the Black Box, this would help the completists out there. And I thought that was a great idea. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking about this a little bit before this show. I had no idea that this project existed until we did an episode on it. Um, but if so, you know, I was born 1988, didn't start playing until 2002. So I was, you know, about 14. I I started gaming at D&D in 92. I was 10 years old. I was the perfect person to get this box like it would have been it would have been just right but i didn't get it i actually um uh, we started right with the rule cyclopedia if this had been around in like 90 and i could have gotten access to it in like 98 or 99 or something like that i would have loved having this um just kind of reading it as a product i think this is maybe the best introductory box set i've seen for a D&D game. It's mm-hmm. very much like Redbox D&D in its presentation, but it handles it on two separate tracks. All of the intro dungeon stuff in this box set was on something they called dragon cards. And dragon cards were based off of these educational reading cards called SRA cards, which are actually still sold today. You can still get SRA cards for classroom learning, which took part of a story. And then you read that and answered questions based on that. These dragon cards in this box set had part of a dungeon quest, a part of an idea of Dungeons and Dragons, like initiative. And on the back of the card, it would walk you through rolling for initiative. Okay. Yeah. What that does, unlike the Mincer Red Box, is it makes all of that intro to D&D stuff not in the book. So yes. it makes that uh, book a better reference guide because my only complaint about Redbox D&D is that the book becomes not that great a reference guide because you have to flip through the Choose Your Own Adventure dungeon. This separates the two. I really love the way that this was presented. Uh, However, on the dragon cards, a lot of the information for your character classes and things like that, equipment, combat sequence, they're just reprinted. So you're, you're getting it twice, which is not awful. You know, I would use the dragon cards, I guess, as player handouts to give I the people. Th- I think that could be a use for them. Yeah. If uh, I, I kind of think the dragon cards are both the best thing about this box set and the weakest thing about this box set. Mm-hmm. Um, because that? I don't think that you will really be using them a lot during your game. And I think some of the information is presented differently or incorrectly on the dragon cards than it is in the book Mm -hmm. um like for example one thing that kind of uh raised my ire at this box set which i think is just a misinterpretation of the rules is it is it counts uh dwarves as not being able to use battle axes 
And that, you know, dwarf without his axe, that doesn't make any sense, right? They determine that as a large weapon. Uh, so they, they make it to where dwarfs can't use axes. I thought I looked for that because you had mentioned that as we were leading up to the show and I couldn't find it. But I may have just skipped over it. It is a very handy reference. It's uh, If you get just the booklet from here, it's 68 pages. There's no choose your own adventure. There's no sample dungeon in it. It's literally just the rules. And another interesting thing about this box set is, uh, unlike most basic sets, it goes from levels 1 through 5 as opposed to 1 to 3. Yes. And I just saw that I am wrong. On the dwarf thing? On the dwarf thing. Yeah, I, th- I was like, oh, I, I looked wrong. for that. And I was like... I was wrong. I apologize, Troy Denning. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies to the author uh, uh, of this box set. <laughs> yeah, it's sure right here, dwarf. Battle axe, hand axe, crossbow, shortbow, dagger, sword. Yeah, I totally glazed over this and just looked at the weapon types and saw a large weapon battle axe and he got all angry i was i was screaming and cursing it's true it was before the show started man like we keep it family friendly but that carl my goodness okay well never mind (laughs) my my biggest complaint about the box it is totally gone now (laughs) another (laughs) that was it that was it for me i i mean everything else could have been pristine and perfect but you get take away my dwarf battle axe i wasn't playing One nice thing about this is they do give you little minis. They have little cardboard Mm stand-ups that you can use. These are great. I love that this box set back from 91 thought to give you miniatures. I think some of that, and and I may be reaching here, but I think some of that is in response to the success of HeroQuest. Okay. Uh, HeroQuest came out in 1989 and was huge success uh, as far as rpg inspired board games uh <laughs> in that insular market they were a huge success Carl, um, and hero quest um... had miniatures and and dice and furniture and was it was very much a board gamified basic D. you can see tsr emulating hero quest in dragon strike and dragon quest absolutely and I think maybe in this box it as well they were looking at the the success of that one present something that looked similar to that yeah carl don't you have like Seven copies of of Hero Quest just like hanging out. I have an unfortunate amount of Hero Quest <laughs> gaming materials, so it's not it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> One, so I do want to talk a little bit about some rules changes that, that they made because this is honestly I was comparing this to BX throughout most of because uh, that's the my preferred version of Classic right now. I, I didn't see too many differences even from BX to this box set. Right. Uh, yeah, what, this is certainly extrapolated from uh, the Beckme sets, Menser uh, yeah. sets, but uh, I know you won't see a lot of differences. Now, uh, there is one major difference, and that is variable weapon damage is core now. Yes, it is. That's one thing I did notice, and I was like, eh. Uh, <laughs> I think I've talked about this. I don't like, I don't really like variable weapon dice. I prefer just everything does D D6. I like variable weapon dice but only with a mechanical difference Hmm. so i don't like i have a mace and i have a sword well my sword does more damage because this rule book says swords are better and i understand historically swords are better there was a reason swords were the most used like the dopest killing tool until guns (laughs) i can i completely understand there's there's historical reasons to make the sword better and we have this information that swords were just more used Mm -hmm. but i don't want to be 
necessarily constrained by that. And I think there's enough abstraction in the D&D combat system to where we don't really need to push this sword uh, uh, agenda that they are pushing here. <laughs> I'm That's tired of the sword, the sword loyalist propaganda. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I've had it up to here with it. That's what I said. Uh, just more, anyway. just more so campaigning anyway. <laughs> by big sword. Basically, I like three categories of weapons, essentially. I like normal weapons, D6 damage, and then small weapons, D4. And, and the reason I feel like that's mechanically different is because you can hide a dagger, you can't hide a sword. Yeah. You know, there's I, they're smaller. I don't and, hate and, uh, that. Like, I, I, would, I would go for that. Like, I, you know, a two-handed sword is a D6 plus one in my home games. Right. I would, I would make it a D8 just because I think that's a little bit easier. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was the rules for charisma and and uh retainers there is no um like maximum number of retainers based on your charisma score in this box set basically you get retainers until you fill out a party of four or six yeah i really hate that i did not like that (laughs) they're like oh just like hire retainers until you have you know like six people and i was like but what if i want to have like 10 people what if i want to like go in the dungeon and steamroll everything yeah it's almost like it's protecting you from yourself like it's like you can't handle seven (laughs) you couldn't handle seven pcs at your table this is the beginner box yeah (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, like, retainers are such an intrinsic part of classic D&D to me. You know, that's what you do. You go and you negotiate in the keep on the borderlands with the mercenary guild. It just bugs me that you can only, you know, if you have three people, you can only have one retainer. I don't like stuff like that attached to arbitrary rules. Like, I can yeah. understand your character doesn't have the draw to get a large following. He's not charismatic enough to have a contingent of soldiers being loyal to him. I understand yeah. that. But I don't understand the game only goes to six. I, You know, that's not a... It's such an arbitrary ruling. It's yeah, not. it was... It really bugged me. I do think that this has kind of a, a difference of encounter design than other versions of classic D&D do, because... If you look at the entry for any creature that requires you to have magical weapons to hit them, it tells the DM not to use those creatures unless the players have magic weapons. So I think right. this is definitely coming at it from a combat as sport point of view as opposed to combat as war. And I prefer the combat as war. I want them to be able to formulate a really solid plan and engage in the world and try to get the treasure without fighting the things. I would rather not kill my players. Like, I would rather give them every instance that they can to avoid a fight than just roll dice. That's another problem I have with the choose-your-own-adventure introductory adventure in this. It's a lot of fighting. It's like every other page is a fight, and then, oh, you find two healing potions for you and your companion. Yeah, like, everything's just carrying a healing potion around with it, and so you just find... Buku's amount of healing potions, uh, uh, which seems... I mean, I don't know. I, it's fine. Who cares? Yeah, uh, it's, it, just, it's the know. introductory module, and, like, it's fine, but I don't know, like, there were a couple things that like, eh, I don't really think that's setting the right tone. Maybe it is. I feel like this is ahead well, I mean, of the curve I'll, for I'll, where I mean is that, going. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily illogical in a world with healing potions that most monster soldiers would be carrying around a healing potion, oh, okay. you know? Yeah, I mean, like, sure. <laughs> No, I disagree with you, because, like, it's weird that every single one of them has a healing potion. Like, they're just guards. 
They're yeah. monstrous uh, guards. Well, well, okay, but they're guards to a wizard. I mean, it's I a wizard's gun. Yeah, so but, where but that the being wizard said, get the healing They certainly then. don't use them. And if I were running the game, if they had a healing potion on them, they'd be chugging that thing. Yeah. Another thing I didn't like, but I may actually adopt, is you can only do one thing per turn. So it's like, I'm going to move. Oh, yeah. That's it. I'm going to attack. That's it. There's no move and attack. Being restricted to just one action, and that includes moving or casting a spell or drinking a potion i think that also brings its own level of like tactic you really have to go like oh if i move i might be able to get out of range and then drink my healing potion next turn but if i attack this guy i could kill him before he could hurt anyone else the one thing about movement this does uh mention which i i don't know if, if i i may recall seeing this in a D book pre third ed was the five foot step was that a thing it, that was i don't recall but yeah it does have the five foot step it talks um, about the five foot step yeah i, I think the five foot step might be in second edition yeah the the five foot step one part of me doesn't like the restriction on moving and attacking because it's like yeah you know i, I kind of want to run it more loose but on the other hand like i had said earlier it, the combat system in this box set reminds me a lot of chess and it, it gets because there's so much limitation on what you can do i think it becomes a lot more tactical so it's something i might bring into my game i'm not sure um like i said in this game currently they have not fought anything yet uh in our in our sessions so we haven't really had to break out those rules it is missing as far as i saw uh magic item creation rules individual initiative uh is missing from this as well that's the thing. Like, a lot of these things are sort of like, yeah, this is probably how the game's going to run, but I'm missing just having the ability to do these things. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, is really uh, very much focused on moving you over to the rule cyclopedia. Mm -hmm. And the rule cyclopedia was meant to be an all-inclusive. It wasn't meant to be an expert set where it references you back to a different book. Yeah, it's um, the all-inclusive. So this was almost like a burner product. You buy it to play it and then really never touch it again, where the basic sets, you would reference back to them because they had the rules in there that you yeah. needed to play your game. The rule cyclopedia is like, hey, you can use this to learn the game, but th that's not really what this project is for. This is just a reference book. And it, it does, like, even in the book itself, it's like, oh, buy... You know, if you want to learn how to make a character and, and get these rules for and, and suggestions, look at these products instead. Uh, I do think I don't know, like what was what was twenty bucks in nineties money? I was barely. Well, here's alive. a here's a good frame of reference: the the two E Brown handbooks, mm -hmm. complete guide to elves. Those were eighteen dollars. No, this is a great. So this. Was not an expensive product. Yeah, this is a great deal day. then. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the the the, the price on this, and, and uh, I think it was partly due to being in a board game market, mm -hmm. um, so they had to kind of lower the price partly because of that, which is just shows you how much the board game market has changed now. Now that's the expensive stuff. Yeah, I think overall, like I I, I do like this product. I think it is probably the out of all the different basic sets. I think this is the easiest and like simplest way to learn how to play D&D. Even if you don't have the dragon cards, even if you're just reading the actual booklet, I think it does a really great job of introducing you, if you're eight or nine years old, to D&D, to the rules themselves. I think they're presented 
in a great way. Just organizationally, I love that they included the saving throws in with your actual class. That's just, I can't believe it took 10 years for them to do that. Or I guess it would be longer than that. I can't believe it took them like almost 15 years to do that. I don't like how they had um, talked about experience point, like the uh, the bonus to earned XP for prime requisites. It It's just written in a weird way, like... Even I, as an adult who have played a lot of classic D anD don't. I was like, "What does that? What does that mean?" Just like <laughs> objectively, like the fighter's prime requisite is. I don't even understand the logic behind. I don't use prime requisite experience really. bonus in my games because I've never heard it explained to me in a way that makes sense. It's like you're really good at fighting, so it's easier to become better at fighting because you're so strong. And it's like, it's actually easier to learn more about something you're not good at, right? (laughs) One thing that I found was missing from this is just kind of getting into, like, really fiddly bits. There was no, at least in the quick reference portion, it doesn't tell you how much a coin weighs. It's in the dragon cards, but I, in the actual, like, booklet, I didn't see anything about, like, one coin equals a tenth of a pound. That is still the conversion, Um, but you have to jump over to the dragon cards to get that info so this book really oh, is actually. just it's it's really just a condensed like basic rule cyclopedia it's just the rules yeah. that's it and, and that's it's it can be its strength too because mm-hmm. this oh yeah is i definitely think that's the great size of a, a moldvay basic book i mean mm-hmm. it's it's a 60 page document that goes to level five you could really run D for a long while yeah. With just this one book in your hand. Go go all the way up to shooting fireballs out of your fingertips with just <laughs> this one little document. Yeah, it's weird that it basically gives you all the info twice. Once on the dragon cards and then once in the actual book. And I think the dragon cards are definitely more in-depth, more... Sure, absolutely. ...speaking to you as though you're someone who hasn't played this game. Um, I, I think the dragon cards are a really good idea mm-hmm. that maybe could have had better execution in that i almost think they could have gotten away with less dragon cards with more focused information like i don't really think they need to go over the combat round quite as segmented as they do yeah like they go over missile attacks and and hand-to-hand attacks every time you introduce a new with their own separate art yeah Um, yeah every time you introduce a new kind of fighting it gets its own card. Like, how do you incorporate spell casting into combat? And it's like, all right, now we have to run through this thing again. But now someone's acting on the the spell segment. Yeah, I think certainly I I, I might carry with me if uh, the the class dragon cards that were just what is a dwarf and what is a fighter, how to make a thief, what is a thief. You know, it's just. It's just on one side, it kind of tells you what it is and what their power powers are. And on the flip side, it walks through the process of creating that character and what you have to pick at first level. Yeah. And I think having that with me, especially as much as I play with brand new people to gaming, uh, that could be a beneficial thing to have. I don't think I would ever use any other dragon card. I, I wish that I did have a copy of this box set. I think it would be something to... I love collecting basic sets. If this was still around, I don't know if it was in... You know, nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine, maybe even ninety seven. I would. Uh, it was replaced in ninety four. Oh, with was a different it? Box. So wow, it it had a very low. It really was just a burner product. 
You oh, pay yeah, 20 bucks, so. learn to play it, and then you, you know, spend, what was it, like 20 bucks, 24 bucks was the price of the rule cyclopedia, and you got 36 levels in that and weapon mastery tables. Speaking of which, listeners, um, you may already know this because we did post that on our Facebook page. The Rule Cyclopedia is now print-on-demand on, demand on uh, D&D Classics as well. Um, Carl, do we have anything else to say about this product? Okay, so here's something that, that just... So I love BX. BX is 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 great. It's great, right? It's I good. agree. I definitely agree. But it does have rock baboons and giant shrews. And I'm not a fan. <laughs> now I can I can come up with my own random encounter table, but I I do think this has a more I'll pretentiously say Holmesian monster chart, um, where it keeps it more in kind of like what you would expect to see out of out of D and D, kind of like the the very quintessential fantasy monster. And and uh, you don't see a lot of real wonky <laughs> entries in the monster list. And I think for a basic product, I, I like that uh, that it has kind of that, that more. I, I hate to say grounded because it's only grounded to me because I've been playing D and D for as long as I have. Uh, it's not really any more logical for there to be whites and wraiths and shadows in basic D and D than giant shrews and and uh, rock baboons, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the I manticore really... is in this thing, and that's a nine-hit-die creature. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm fine with that because I, I don't, I don't mind there being larger monsters. So I, I just don't, I, you know. There's uh, no uh, cavemen and Neanderthals, you know, that kind of stuff. This okay. stuff that doesn't doesn't really land right into the realm of of fantasy literature for me personally. Okay, you know? you're going more. I don't even know it's what the, version. It's Less the dumbest John thing Carter I could have said. I was like, "What's the dumbest thing <laughs> that I could comment about this box?" Set? And I, okay, here's what I want to talk about. This is less dumb. All right, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about how this was reviewed um, because Ooh. this was actually really well received uh, and sold really well. Oh, really? Um, for Th- that uh, is true because I did look up videos on youtube and uh this thing was big in like portugal apparently but there were a <laughs> lot of people uh th- so there's a lot of videos in just like spanish um right. that i can't understand talking about this box set and people like buying ebay copies and being very excited there's a couple in english and people really really liked this set i think it just sold fast enough that's why we got a 94 re-release and the 94 yeah. re-release was was a, a different product more what you would see from a, a an RPG box set, and, I, and by that I mean the shape of the box. So this, we haven't even talked about this. The ninety one box set was a big board game box. Yeah, it's like a Monopoly box, right? Um, and I think again, this is my own conspiracy theory. I think that some of that has to do with HeroQuest because HeroQuest is also in one of those big mm-hmm. boxes. Um, I I actually wanted to dig because I, I I read some reviews in Dragon Magazine about it, and I was like, well, that's kind of like basically just an advertisement so i i went and found in white wolf magazine 34 hmm. uh it got rave reviews in that as well and there's no re- darkness should be hawk and D products so i mean uh that gives you an idea of how well received this was um four out of five stars from world of, uh white wolf magazine the best introductory game for role playing i have ever seen i mean not just D, like this is just as good as it gets well, if white wolf White Wolf is saying it's the best introductory RPG product. I'm like, I don't think I can disagree because that was my statement as well. I think this is the 
best version of learning D&D, at least classic D&D, that exists. Yeah, and um, this was a big time of experimentation uh, for introductory sets Mm -hmm. for TSR. Because at the same time as this came out, we got the first Quest box set, which came with an audio CD that uh, you would play and it would you know gave you a basically a radio play of kids playing D, and it's all these like 30 year old men being like i'm a little kid and i'm gonna play you know no, that Gene Willikers, mr dungeon master can i exactly. hit him with my axe <laughs> it's it's great though i mean i listen to it with my kids in the car just driving around um <laughs> because we're just that family you guys um, like have the sing along but it's just like each of you takes a part in the radio <laughs> dramatization and you say the <laughs> lines in unison with the cd and then there's also dragon strike at this same time which had a vhs that you shoved in and, and got a little D movie which is the finest piece of D media ever created in my I, opinion i wish that the dragon strike dm was my dad I love him. <laughs> he is the platonic ideal of what a DM should be, in my opinion. Just black turtleneck, hamming it up, but also simultaneously taking it deathly seriously. Now you're working together! God, that guy's the best. Yeah, so it's just it's interesting to see that this is kind of a, a traditional product for yeah. the time. <laughs> when they have you know CD sets and VHS yeah, if this is contemporary and- with Dragon Strike, <laughs> it's very interesting that this is just this is just an RPG box set in a board game box. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, do we want to cover anything else? Um, let's play. Let's play. Let's play. Right. Let's do one of these encounters. So right. the thing is, these dragon cards. Um, they were split by dragon color. There's like a blue dragon cards and green dragon cards. And they would show you some of the rules and then have a mini adventure that was on two separate cards. So a four page little encounter adventure. Do I? So what do I need on my end of things? Do I need oh, like uh, a you piece need a, of paper uh, or a character sheet? Uh, yeah, let me send you a character sheet real quick. We're going to play the first dragon card encounter. I'm just going to write it um, on a piece of notebook paper. Sure. No, no I'll send you a character. You want to be an elf, don't you? You want to be an elf. Uh, of course you want to be an elf. Why would I even ask? Okay, so what we should do, Crispy, I think, is we should play Escape from... You know what we haven't even talked about? Holy... How did we miss this? I'm so glad we're playing this because we get to talk about this. Zanzer Tim... That's the bad guy in this. So this has a choose-your-own-adventure um, uh, 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 game in it, just like the uh, Mensa Red Box. Except in this, it's Zanzer Tim is the uh, evil wizard, and the and the uh, beautiful adventurer that you meet is Adele the Elf. Uh, you know, she's no Alina, but Zanzer Tim, you know, he's no Bargle. I, I gotta say, Red Box wins on on names. Yeah, Bargle is just just the perfect low-level evil wizard name i can't imagine one better you know but you do get to have the uh the monty python reference you could say there are some that call me zanzer tim you know you could do that that'd be fun well my elf has a 17 constitution jeez (laughs) you are the buffest elf i'm so buff okay so i shot you a character and we're gonna play escape from zanzer's dungeon part one um uh because this game uh um had the dragon cards in it and at the end of each dragon card pack was a little mini encounter and uh i just think it would be fun to just to just try one out they're not great lots of box text but hopefully uh 
this will be this will be fun. See you, you crispy, your elf, your elf, who's uh, not going to be named just yet. You're not. We don't know. We don't know this okay. elf's name yet. But you awaken in a musty room. The floor and three walls are solid stone, but the fourth wall is of thick iron bars. You're in jail. I want you to just pick a name. Just pick a name for your character. Because here's the way this card presents it, which I think is terrible. I give you a list of names. Hey, you can either be Barab, Karak, Dent, Fura, Hector, Jayla, Nuggin, or Pike. Nuggins. Those are those are your choices. You have to be one of those names or you can't play. You're out of D&D. We kick you out. So should I come up with a name? Because I did read the dragon yeah. card earlier. And this is the other thing this dragon card did, which is just totally bizarre to me. You pick your name and you go, okay, I'll be Nuggin. Well, I'll say, well then you're the green grocer's son. That's who Nuggin is. There's a list of their jobs. If you're Barab, you were the swordsmith's apprentice. If you were Jayla, well, you're then you're a dancing girl. That's who you got to be. It, it's so bizarre. Man, is it weird. It is a little weird. Um, <laughs> man. But just pick a name because I, I sent you an elf. You're an elf. I want to do a stupid elf name. That That's all right. That's all right. Let's get real stupid. It's okay. Carl Legolas. Carl Legolas. Yeah, you're Carl Legolas. Carl Legolas. Yeah. Carl Legolas. All right. So you're Carl Legolas the elf and you are in jail according to this box text here the last thing you remember is being hit on the head by a couple of ruffians so this is for like a group of four so like they all remember being hit on the head by a couple of ruffians and waking up in jail um so uh it, it's gonna distract me i'm gonna put some fold-out counters in, in some imaginary uh, uh squares on an imaginary board that we mm -hmm. have um but there's a hairy whip carrying monster and uh, uh, he enters the hallway in front of the jail. Behind it follows a brawny man with bound hands. The monster stops in front of your cell, then says, I'm wise to your tricks, prisoners. Lie face down on the floor. Don't try anything or I'll bash you good. That's what he says. Hmm. So he's threatening Carl Legolas with a good old bashing, unless he lies face down on the floor. What are you going to do? What are you going to do there, Carl Legolas? What are you going to do to this, this big See, hairy monster? I know because I played the Choose Your Own Adventure in the original Dragon cards that he is wise. And he'll just knock me out. So I'm just going to... I'm Maybe that's metagame <laughs> knowledge. You know, maybe maybe I've played this adventure before. But I am going to lay down on the uh, on the floor. That's the thing. I, I, I didn't read the... I didn't read the actual adventure where you get to play through as a group... Yeah, this is just repeated as 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 the steps from the dragon car. So I don't know, like, if I were to like lie down face face on the floor, face down on the floor, and then cast my ventriloquism spell, <laughs> uh, and like be like, "Oh, hey, uh, uh, guard, th there's a riot breaking. We need you to come." immediately See, that's a brilliant that's a brilliant plan no but i don't know if that'll mess up everything. here's the thing here's the thing uh according to the um uh, adventure cards no <laughs> <laughs> nothing you do will change the outcome yeah that's, uh, in this in this role-playing game you are railroaded right along because he's gonna if you refuse to lie down he's gonna whip you if you jump no. up and rush the door he's gonna slam it and lock it by tracy like, hickman but illness, he's gonna ignore it and he goes on to say if the pieces try something not listed make up george's response remember he is ready for whatever the pieces try and will not allow them to escape 
As a last resort, George will summon 12 guards Whoa. to train their crossbows on the prisoners while he puts Axel in the cell. I guess I have it's, to lay down on the floor. Yeah, you know, it's that's what you want in a D&D game, is, is, is uh, being completely dictated in your actions. Listen, here's the thing. If you are in jail, you're a prisoner, you mm. probably can't cast a spell right now. You don't have any of your materials. You That's don't true. have That's any. Very true. They knocked you out. They dragged you into the jail cell. They probably didn't leave you with all your stuff. Then I will lay down on the ground. I will, of my own free will, make this yeah. choice that has spontaneously come to me to lay down on the ground <laughs> face down. I'll lay down, but I want you to know I'm doing it. Yeah, it's my idea. <laughs> So this guy, he he drags, uh, George is the name of, you don't know that because he doesn't, he doesn't come in and be like, hi, I'm George, but it keeps talking to him out as George. So I want to call him George, um, which is not a great name for a monster. No. George is, he's the Jerry of monsters. It's not great. Um, but he brings in this guy, this brawny, uh, uh, man with bound hands and, uh, uh, he's got like long red hair and, and a, a tiny stupid vest. Does, does um, he, he says, look like my the name... kind of guy who uh, likes to play dice games? He looks like the kind of guy that's a front man for an 80s band. He says, my name's Axel. I introduced <laughs> myself as companion. Slash. <laughs> you should have been Slash. You've lost it. I You've did. lost that chance. You're Carl Egalus. You committed. But he's this... My, which I actually... I googled Axel because I was like, that seems like a very modern name. It isn't. Oh. Not at all. No, that's like super, it's super in theme with Dungeons and Dragons. It's an old Germanic Norwegian name. No reason not to be Axel in D&D. Huh. Not really spelled like this, but uh, <laughs> that's all right. This is Axel Rose, the Norwegian, Scandinavian, burly, brawny man. He says, my name's Axel. Untie my hands, will ya? And again, whether or not they untie Axel, the PC may ask their new cellmate questions. So what do you want to do? You want to untie him? Do you want to ask him questions? Do you want to... How do you want to deal with Axel here? Is George still there or did George leave? Let's say he left. And if I'm wrong later, I'll be like, oops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will... Oh, man. do I, What do I want to ask him? Um, I'm going to ask him... I shouldn't have read the Choose Your Own Adventure like introductory module myself because I just want to do what's in there. If so, what, what would your question be? Just th don't worry about the don't don't worry about that. Just what would you? You're you're you just got knocked out. You're in a jail cell. Big hairy monster brings in this other guy. What would you ask him? I'm gonna ask him where we are. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you anything unless you uh. Can you give me a uh, uh, two gold coins? All, my, all this knowledge in my brain it's worth some money. I think. I. Uh... Now it says none of the PCs have money. None yeah, I would. They, I would, they took your money. I would tell him I I would gladly pay you for that information, uh, but I left my wallet and my other tunic back in my treetop village. You know, I'm I'm a little strapped right now, but if you just tell me now, I I will pay you. Uh, oh, that's that's a good idea. What if we uh, do this? If you don't have any money now, I'll tell you what. What if you win information from me? Because I. I have this set of dice here, you see. But I tell you, what was your name again? What was your name? Oh, uh, Carl Legolas. Carl, Carl Legolas. My name's Axel. I said my that earlier in the box text above. Carl. Um, but if, uh, if what I got, I got five dice here, or there's six or so, or some some number of dice. But I'm gonna take this big round one here, the 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 largest one. I'm gonna roll that one. You can pick any of the other dice. No, would you think this is fair? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. here's the question carl his, <laughs> his hands are bound right 
<laughs> yeah, right now you've not untied him. So my, I, mean, I don't my know what hands he's doing. are not bound. Couldn't I just beat him up? <laughs> There's literally no reason not to. He's the worst. He is he's the worst. The actually. worst. He's just the worst. Like there's no see. So he's he's gonna he's he's so he thinks you're so dumb <laughs> that you don't understand that dice with more sides are better at rolling larger numbers than dice with fewer sides. He's trying to trick you, and you know what? He doesn't got a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna give say you that I place. also choose the large round one. But I'm gonna roll it twice. <laughs> well, the problem is he's only got one large round, so if he picks it, you gotta pick a different one. I can't. In also, this conceit, share dice of a scenario. No, I mean, come on. Have you ever been at a gaming wow. table and tried to share dice with somebody? They don't like it. I know. I I, <laughs> I then try to explain him the myth of the probability well and how it is a flawed conception. Uh, I was like, I must no, say, Axel doesn't scale, understand that at all. <laughs> Axel, look, there's no well of of twenties that you're drawing from. If it just rolls random numbers, it it you know, you, there's no mojo. <laughs> does that does that convince him to also let me? This is what happens. His face just lights up as in an in enlightenment, as if numbers have just started to make sense to him. And he goes, "Oh, okay. Well, let me just tell you all this stuff, because so we don't have to roll a bunch of dice together, because that's not going to be fun to listen to." He says, "One, we're in a dungeon. Two, we're in a wizard's dungeon. See, this is how stingy he is. He was going to make you roll for each of these little tidbits. One, you clearly know you're in a dungeon. Okay, so now you know it's a wizard's dungeon. That's well, the second one. I don't know which would be it's a wizard's dungeon. <laughs> now here's the other thing. That wizard's name, Zanzer." Tim. That's what he tells you. That's the third bit of information he was going to make you roll a bunch of dice to learn. Um, uh, in in what would I would have say would probably be the least fun game of D anD D ever played. Uh, and he says the wizard often kidnaps people and buys prisoners. And the last bit of information it's so they can work in his salt mines because hmm. he's a he's boss hog. The wizard is a is a uh, villain from a nineteen seventies detective show. <laughs> Zanzer Tim, he wears a white suit and hat, and he and he puts singe to the salt mines. There we go. That's what you learn from Axel. Right. And then he says, "This is what he says." You guys don't look very strong. Axel says, "This text is not boxed, but I think I'm supposed to read it to you." You're not very smart either. So uh, I'll be the boss of this cell. I don't. I. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I think that it's, we should democratically elect the boss of this cell. Uh, and he says, I'm going to democratically pound challengers into the floor. I'm going to punch but before, you. But before, magically, before we can start actually murdering Axel, uh, Jurge walks back in, old Jurgey. Jurgey the Hobgoblin, and he enters the hallway carrying a basket of bread. And he has ten small loaves, which is really too much. It's a lot of bread. <laughs> but he, he brings you a giant basket of bread, and he says, Enjoy your meal, he chuckles. It will be your last for a while. I explained, I tried to explain to Jurge. Uh, excuse me, Jurge, I understand that. Jurge leaves are. immediately! Jurge, wait, it, no, I'm trying to. Jurge, please. He, he's Jurge, out of existence. Is, I, I mean, mean I'm just this will help the productivity. Huh. Yeah. This is like the scene in um, the Ten Commandments where he feeds them all the grain, and now you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna build some pyramids, man. It's gonna be great. I mean, like if they regularly fed us, we would have more energy to work for longer. 
<laughs> we have 10 loaves of bread. Should we space these out over many meals? <laughs> no. So anyway, at this point, you're supposed to like choose uh, how to uh, deal with Axel. Because this is what Axel does. He says, stay away from my bread. Um, well, it's certainly not it's your bread. What's all mean. 10 loaves for himself, which is excessive at best. Like, I call I mean, him I'm a green I'm green a large people. man. If if I saw someone eat 10 loaves of bread, I would just I would just clap. I would clap. <laughs> flow clap. I would try to get everybody involved. I'm How in, do I strangle Axel to death? <laughs> well, here's the thing. You actually get the choice at this point. Oh. So mm. do you want to try to fight Axel, trick Axel? You could persuade him, grab him. You could do whatever you want. I'm, like, pretty charismatic. I'm going to try to persuade him. All right. Um, um, well, persuade is apparently a wisdom-based action in this no, rule set. That's weird, <laughs> but okay. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Ask would be the charisma one if you ask him for a loaf of bread, but persuade is wisdom-based, which, huh. Yeah, that's, that's a weird. That's a well, weird. we're gonna say you use your charisma because you're so charismatic. Yeah, and you know, I'm if your charisma is twelve or more, wise. he's gonna give you one loaf of bread out of his ten. Oh, what about my uh, <laughs> three unnamed buddies? <laughs> that's true. You have to have three um, uh, followers with you because they get you to a party of four mm. per these rules. Um, I'm going to try to persuade him again and be like, hey, uh, there's five of us in total. I think the intentions of Zanzibar Tem <laughs> was that we each get two loaves. That's why he has all the bread. I mean, like, democratically, we should we should split these loaves evenly. You didn't do anything to, like, earn these loaves. Okay, well, he starts screaming. That's what he does. He said, I can't keep all the bread. It's my bread. And George just bursts into the room. And he says, what's all racket? Demands George. The hobgoblin steps into the hall. He's a hobgoblin. That's new information that it didn't give us before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's the box text I'm reading to you now. Wait, he Settle down or I'll knock hall. you senseless. Your threats don't scare us, George, says Axel. We'll die in the mines anyway. Oh, that's bad Which news. is a terrible thing to say. But anyway, George glares at Axel with a menacing stare. And he says, have it your way. If you're all so anxious to see the salt mines, then you'll go as soon as I get back with your shackles. Oh. Yeah, yeah. This is very, uh, this is this is what this card says. I, George uh, ignores any protest from the PCs <laughs> and that leaves. Was, that was going to be my thing. I was like, uh, George, I, I believe that. I am completely fine with waiting until morning. <laughs> I have no affiliation with Axel. The salt mines. Um, this bread, this bread-obsessed maniac is the only one who's <laughs> shouting and making a ruckus. I and my four unnamed mute compatriots. Uh, well, three, three. Let's three. be clear, right? I mean, it's four total. We're right? fine. We're we're on this side of the cell. All the commotion is coming from Axel's side. I mean, if you're going to punish anyone, it should probably be Axel. Well, Axel doesn't like that, and George mysteriously is gone. Uh, but he says, now you've done it. If we don't figure out how to escape, we're all goners. Now I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's your fault. Try to steal my bread. Axel's not a cool dude. Axel's I'm afraid not a cool to say. Dude. 
you know, you you headline one major '80s power rock band, and you think you <laughs> get all the bread. You know, honestly, from all reports, he kind of really is. Actually, really isn't movies. that great, dude. Yeah, um, he's still tied up, right? Yeah, I mean, apparently, I don't know how. I, there's there's nothing in here that says he's able to untie himself. So unless you're just nice enough to do it for him, I don't even know how he's grabbing all this bread. Could you yeah. grab ten loaves of bread with tied up hands? I'm just gonna them? take the bread from this. Me. Is his a hands are tied circus. Up. <laughs> I'm gonna take the bread. I'm gonna lick each one. That's fair. And then I'm I'm not gonna eat any of it. <laughs> but I definitely lick them all over, and I'm gonna go try the door. <laughs> well, it says well, we got you got to come up with an escape plan. Says Axel, quit licking the bread. We got to think about how to get out of here. I lick the bread faster, you know, <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, well, when he comes in, you keep being, uh, you know, unreasonable, and I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I'll stoop behind him, and you can push him over. Uh, you might have to untie me first. Mm, I don't think I want to do that. Uh, you <laughs> can push with your hands tied. Okay, so you're gonna do um, d- like like this is like a Dennis the Menace type. Yeah, like a move. Three Stooges. Yeah. So like you're just gonna wait. Comedy bit. He's gonna come get Axel because he's acting all belligerent, and you're just gonna get down on all four and he's push him over you. Mm-hmm. And I I tell Axel once <laughs> once we have uh, dealt with. The Hobgoblin, because I don't think I know his name is George, uh, then I'll untie him. He has he has a name tag. He has oh, a name okay. tag. You know, it says, hi, my name is George. <laughs> and then on the back, it says, call this number with any complaints. But anyway, so yeah, George returns with several assistants. Oh, no, a oh. hole in the plan. Well, stand back, he gruffly orders. He takes the key and puts it in the keyhole. So... You might have to change the plan. What are you going to do? You can't talk about I it. What think, are you going to do? I think uh, when he opens the door and they all come in, I'm going to yell for everyone to rush them. Okay. Just rush everyone. Rush. Just rush. All right. Well, you can rush them, and we're going to roll a surprise check for old Jersey boy. Because right. he could be surprised in this situation. He's not really expecting a fight for whatever reason. I don't know why he would be, but it says I'm supposed to roll a surprise for him. So we're going to roll a D6 on a reload of one or two. You're going to get a whole free round. And I rolled a two. Look at that. Yes. You got a whole free round of attacking this guy with you and your your invisible compatriots and Axel. Yeah. So I'm guessing I shall rush him. And, you you uh, rush, man. You know, uh, we can only move. That's the constraint of this version. We can only well, you know, move. I, I imagine if uh, uh, you're waiting for prime rushing uh, uh, potential, we're going to say uh, that's a, within a five foot step. Something that's also. In this edition, look at that. So I, we're finding gonna, uh, we're finding a way. We're life. <laughs> I'm gonna five foot step and try to steal his weapon. Let's just do an opposed roll. Okay, d20. I'm gonna roll a d20, and you're gonna roll a d20. I want you to tell me what you roll. Ooh. I oh, I rolled a six. You're probably gonna beat that. No, I no. Oh, he's got his weapon still. I rolled a one. That is a poor roll. It is. Well, then your your compatriots they all jump on the other the other guys. So we're not going to worry about them. It's just you and George. All right, hand to hand. You're invisible. Invisible carriers are taking. And Axel, you, George, and Axel. All right. All right. But Axel gets a free uh, thing, so he's gonna he's gonna take his tied up hands and he's gonna bring them down on the on the on the goblin. Oh, he's he's gonna gonna, he actually him? hits him. He actually hits him, but he's only gonna do one d four damage, right? I mean, it's got he's got a tied up hands. 
unarmed combat in this rule set with variable weapon damage does 1d4. So That's weird, because I think the gauntlets of ogre strength make it so you do 1d4. Well, that is unfortunate for ogres. <laughs> I, I mean, I could be reading that wrong. Ah, it's fine. You're the DM. Yeah, who cares? None of that matters. He does one point of damage. Oh, way to go. Way to go, Axel. Only to untied my hands. Anyway, so what's going to happen now is we're going to roll initiative. Oh, snap. Because that was a surprise round. I got a two. I got a two. Now, I don't know what the rules are in this, but I always let ties go to the players because I don't same. like rolling dice a whole bunch of times. Yes, I uh, same boat. I do. I can say for the listeners at home that uh, ties, everyone acts at the same time, which is just a lot Yeah, that's of right. Yeah. That's right. It's it's pretty weird. I guess if I'm doing a D4 with uh, unarmed combat, I'm also going to try to punch him. All right. Punch him away. I hit AC2? Well, he's not AC2. And he's not a very well-equipped hobgoblin. I also do one damage. Well, then, well, surprise, surprise, he's still up. He's still up. Yeah. But you know what? Per the rules that we don't have yet, he has to make a morale save. Oh, really? If you understand what that means. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of hit points. <laughs> he is the worst hobgoblin. Oh, Axel falls on his butt, man. Axel doesn't do nothing to this goblin. His bread-addled mind is taking his toll. I'm firing uh, Axel from the band. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. He's hard to work with. Well, this guy wills on you a bit. Jurge is going to hit you with his billy club doing three points of damage. Ooh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I have one HP left. That's right. You're still in the game, man. Yeah. And we roll initiative again, don't we? Yeah. Oh, Oh. I have four HP. That means I rolled a two on my hit die. Because I have a con of 17. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I got a six right. for initiative. He got a one. He got a one. So you got initiative. I'm going to punch him again. That's your only choice in this scenario they've concocted for introductory to D&D. I rolled a natural 20. Well, there you go. You get 2d4. <laughs> that is two damage. Well, as it would have, fate would have it, George can only take four points of damage. And his goblin companions have been beaten up by your invisible ethereal companions. Um, so, you've won this encounter. Yeah. And freed yourself from prison. Final okay. Fantasy music, end of battle theme, go now. I am actually going to edit that in there. Do it. <laughs> huh, well, phew, uh, I would have died if I didn't knock him out. Does I'm gonna search his body, uh, just because I know how this box set works. It's uh, a really club that does one d four points of damage. Oh, my fist is just as good. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make. I may have been done that wrong though. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, and then, uh, does he have any uh, vials of yellow liquid? Oh, he has got so many vials. Everybody in this whole room, goblin and hobgoblin alike, has a vial of of yellow amber. I mean. Amber, uh, liquid. amber liquid. Let's get our terminology correct. Drink the vial of amber liquid. It, actually, it says it says in the rules, if George and the goblins are knocked unconscious, Axel finds one magical healing potion for himself and for each PC in George's pocket. He has, in concept, five vials of <laughs> potion just sitting in his pocket. Man, uh, the like OSHA must have a field day when they come and do surprise inspections <laughs> at this wizard's tower. <laughs> you got contaminants all over the place. <laughs> Just the occupational then, hazards that require all guards to have multiple healing potions on them at all times. 
That's that's crazy. Like it's got to be a pretty dangerous occupation. I mean, it's it's a hundred percent likely to be stabbed in the face by an adventurer. That's true. That is true. <laughs> the only retirement plan is stabbed in the face <laughs> by someone who kicked open your door. Oh, jeez. So we're healed up. You're healed up. Uh, uh, I mean, like it doesn't even say like they do uh, die of of healing or anything no, like that. It's just like just, you're, healed, you're up. healed up. It tells you to erase all the damage. Where we go from here on this dragon card, you go into the next room and there's a goblin. Mm -hmm. As you open the door to the next room, a frightened shriek sounds from inside. And we make another surprise roll. If the goblin gets surprised, he just runs away. Uh, (laughs) If he doesn't get surprised... Then it says he has to fight. Like there's no other there's which I parts were a good idea, but I feel like this execution is very like I almost feel like the choose your own adventure in Mincer was very much more um it felt more like a D and D game might go because it kept it more vague. You know, it didn't it didn't really have a lot of like this is what the goblin says or or the, it just says you you succeed or fail, you win or lose, you fight or, or flee. And it didn't it didn't have a much full stops like there's a full stop on every one of these cards where like you die and now you're a new character and you see in the next room there's and it it's unnecessary information if they had just made it work a little bit differently i don't know yeah no i can definitely understand that like there's a lot of instances where you can just choose the wrong option in uh the choose your own adventure version and right die you just, oh, you're dead. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's traditional with the books, but it's not necessarily the best way to teach someone a game. Yeah, or they um, start you over, you just wake up back in your cell. Yeah, so anyway, it's after the adventure. It says, congratulations, you have escaped from your cell and completed the first part of your first Dungeons & Dragons game adventure. Unfortunately, it's time to pack up the dice for today, but the next time we play, you will choose a class for your character. You could be a fighter, a cleric. Well, we did all, we already did. Mm-hmm. You're an elf. You're Carl Eglis. And uh, until then, don't worry about your characters. They'll be safe where they are, waiting for you to come back and play. Isn't that just delightful? <laughs> it's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. It's a little Toy Story. It yeah. It's very. It, this is this is the inspiration for Toy Story. Toy Story would never been made. Yeah. Unless so, um, just a couple years it, later, Toy Story came out. Think I think John Lasseter wizards some money. All right. Uh, I guess we can wrap this up. Uh, Carl, <laughs> would you recommend this product? Honestly, I really want to own this. And it's not necessarily just because I'm dying to play black box basic D&D. Um, uh, even though I think the book by itself is is a good reference to have if you play uh, Mincer basic just because it's so light and you could really have it uh, really easily with you all the time. Um, but it's just such an interesting basic set because there's not another complete basic RPG. Like there's board game versions of D&D that are similar to this, but there's not really another basic set that comes with everything this does. And the dragon cards are really unique. And it comes with a basic D&D uh, game master screen, dungeon master screen, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of a rare uh, thing to to get. Um, and it's a kind of a weird uh, uh, game master screen because it doesn't have a it doesn't have a front. It's all information all around, <laughs> like yeah. there's no uh, picture on it. So that's kind of an unusual element too. So it's like a giant reference guide, but the dragon cards actually fit inside it. Oh, um, I think I would have a little bit of nostalgia for this product just because I owned so many similar products to it, like those little cardboard standy figures i i had so many D products that had those in those in the early 90s so i would uh i would love to own it yeah 
But if someone was really brand spanking new to the concepts of D&D, had never played an RPG before, I'd still think this is a fine product to get them. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I would definitely recommend this. I I want to own it just because it is a big board game box that has the D&D logo on it. Um, it's also just a very clean like graphic design. It just has a big red dragon on it. But this is great to have if you're introducing new people into classic yeah. D&D. Because it's written in yeah. such a way that it's addressed in very simple language, very plain language. Even addresses descending AC. Where it's like, yeah, most things you add your bonus to stuff. Your AC lower is better, so you subtract the bonus and add the penalty. This is the only thing that really works this way. Don't worry about it. You'll get the hang of it. Like, I loved seeing that. That was great. I guess the last thing's up is we do have uh, an email that was, uh, we just got this today, right? Um, I I just saw it today. Okay. That <laughs> means something. Yeah. So just kind of jumping in here. It's just a, a quick question from a, a listener here. Um, this comes from James Lemon. He says, hi, guys. Love the work you do. My question is, how do you work out the movement of inches into actual distance? For instance, it says a speed of 12 inches and one inch equals 10 feet of movement per minute, and one combat round is 10 segments of six seconds. Does that mean I can only move uh, 12 feet on my combat turn? Sorry for being confusing. Uh, if of any help, I come from a 3.5 background, so I'm new to distances being listed in inches, uh, James Lemon. So the... Combat round, 10 segments of 6 seconds. I'm not sure. That sounds like an AD&D thing. Um, combat round is just 10 seconds in classic D&D, except I think maybe in OD&D it might be a minute. Uh, Holmes also might be a minute. I'm not sure. Uh, it's hard to keep track of some yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, that would be 10 yeah. segments of 6 seconds. Though, yeah. yeah, so well. you, it's a little weird but you would just basically look at my movement speed is 120 feet in a 10 minute turn and then for combat because you're hustling um you just divide that by three so if you have a if you have a move speed of 120 feet it becomes 40 feet if it's 90 it's 30 super simple um most encumbered characters who are wearing armor and carrying gear you're probably going to have a movement speed of 90 anyways so it's basically the same from third edition yeah i think that's one of the things where it's just kind of a decoding thing more than it is a complication thing a lot of the stuff in in uh, od and d seems complicated when really it once you once you decode the language around it it's a very simple system yeah so 12 inches would be 120 feet because one inch is 10 feet just subtract, justify that by three. So I, I, you could even maybe do it if you, uh, you could just do it on actual inches. So divided by three, you can move four inches with a cloth tape measure. And there you go. You're, that's it. That's all you have to do. Um, I hope that clears it up. Um, basically just divide by three. It's a super simple thing. Again, you can always ask us questions at questions at, uh, save or die. What is our actual email address? Oh, was, no. yo, you had it. You had it perfectly. All right, questions it. at save or die. Info. It's our email. You can find us on Twitter. We're pretty active on Facebook. Uh, I just posted some photos of my, yeah, I made a DM screen for Mulvey basic. Cause I don't have one, um, that's up there. And, uh, I think that's it for now. Yeah. Thank think. you for listening, everybody. Yeah, def definitely that one. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one was weird. <laughs> this one was weird. We've, you know, 
it's been a little bit of a hiatus. People have been busy doing stuff, but um, yeah, you know, keep it original, keep it old. Oh, wait, nope, can't say that. That's the wrong, wrong show. Um, uh, uh, keep it classic, eat a Vlasic. That's what I always say. <laughs> that is the new tagline of the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Keep it classic, eat a Vlasic, and uh, <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. something brother the saber die podcast immortal edition is a production of wild games productions brother it is produced for entertainment purposes only jack all other uses are prohibited dude so be sure to visit them at saberdie.info for more information brother what you gonna do when the saber die podcast runs wild on you Ooh.